building a company from nothing is freaking hard. Us entrepreneurs are expected to deal with unimaginable challenges and somehow keep a cool head through it all. This is The Art of Entrepreneurship, and I'm your host, Jackie Hermes. I grew my company, Excelity, from zero to seven figures with no partners and no funding. The Art of Entrepreneurship is a show where we cut through the BS and dig into what it actually takes to start and grow a company. If you give me your time, I promise it won't be wasted. Now let's get to work. Welcome back to The Art of Entrepreneurship. Today's topic is an important one that you will definitely grapple with throughout the entire process of starting and building a company, overcoming doubt. Not only do we experience doubt from other people, when I started as an entrepreneur, people were skeptical to say the least, but you have to deal with your own internal doubt as well. Questions like, am I really cut out for this? How am I going to survive this season? I still ask myself that all the time. And a lot more come up for me even 10 years into entrepreneurship. There is no better person to be here with me today to discuss this topic than Kara Golden, who literally wrote the book on overcoming doubt and doubters called Undaunted. Be sure to check it out. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Kara. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. So I want to start out. I, well, I went through a lot of your website, but I love the story that you share and it's similar to a lot of the founders that I've met before, where the, they experience a problem, either a personal problem or a problem at work, and they come up with some kind of solution. And then they wonder, hmm, you know, like it seems like other people should be able to use this or this would benefit other people. And they go through that process of kind of commercializing it, which seems like it's what you did, um, not to oversimplify it, but in the process of overcoming a soda addiction, you found a way to drink more water and you started Hint while pregnant with your fourth child, which is crazy. I love your husband's reaction in in your book, like, oh, you're just going to do this. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Tell me about the early years where you didn't have the experience in the beverage industry and how you went about figuring out how how to do things like packaging and production and just like getting the company off the ground. So, you know, it's funny because first of all, when I wrote my book, I wrote it because it, it, it was really my journal. So I had been journaling because people would say, oh my gosh, like you can't make this stuff up, right? Like all the crazy that went along along the way. And some of those days were, you know, really hard, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they weren't, um, you don't have to be a beverage entrepreneur to sort of have hard days. And, but I kept thinking, let me just write out the story really quick. And, um, and that was my journal with like 600 pages. And after a while, a friend said, you should really put all of this into some sort of format, like a book where you could help a lot of people. I'm like, oh, wow, what a great idea. Yeah. Uh, that would be great. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it stems from the journey before starting Hint. So I had never been an entrepreneur, but I had worked for entrepreneurs and I never really thought that I would become an entrepreneur necessarily. Uh, but I really enjoyed the idea of building and learning along the way and doing the crazy stuff that everyone said wasn't possible. And so that was, you know, initially my second job uh, out of college was at CNN. And mm -hmm. so I was able to see, you know, Ted Turner run around 
the office and, and and in New York and talk about the world needs news. And it doesn't matter that they don't speak English in every country. They should know what's going on in the world. And and he believed it. And he believed he could go and compete with national network news. Now, there were many people that didn't. There were We were only in 40% of the country. But watching somebody like that really lead a team to believe that one day it's going to be possible and showing the growth was very, very exciting. And then when I came out to Silicon Valley, I worked for a little spin out of Apple, a Steve Jobs idea that he doesn't get a lot of credit for, which was the early days of direct-to-consumer. Um, and the we basically put catalogs on a disc. And so that, that was the early days of online shopping. And mm-hmm. again, nobody really knew how to do it. I didn't particularly even know how it worked. I mean, basically, we were inserting a disc into a machine, and somehow the machine was magically like reading the images. And it was, I mean, it was crazy, but I was able to kind of do the front end of that product and and help to build that. And again, we didn't know, we didn't have the pricing, we didn't really understand what we were doing. um, But we were kind of making it up as we went along. And I thought it was, you know, funny. And when I'd run into people and say, Oh, my gosh, you work for T market, that's amazing. And I love that energy where yeah. a lot of people knew about the products that I was working on initially, but then over time, more and more people knew about it. And I loved, um, I wouldn't say I'm a particularly patient person, but yet, I, <laughs> but, yet but yet when I look back, you have to have patience in order, you know, to build something that hasn't been done before. So uh, we were acquired Two market was acquired by a company called America online and um, America online was not the uh, number one in the online services category at the time. They were like number three, but by the time I left there, it was number one. Uh, we were it for shopping and, you know, people were chatting on America online and, and, uh, fighting with their brother if they picked up the phone and disconnected you know their phone line or whatever i mean it was just crazy watching all the firsts that happened there so i guess when i decided to launch hint when i was pregnant with my fourth child justin i thought this is something that i don't know anything about i had learned a lot about tech it's funny because we got a ton of press on Hint initially, and, and actually for the last 17 years. But the big story that everyone wanted to write about uh, and interview me for was the fact that I left tech, the fact that I was you know, a vice president. I was one of the youngest vice presidents at America Online and one of the few women at that level. Mm. And that, so people like said, why are you getting off the train? Why are you leaving to go to another industry did, did you hate tech was it <laughs> i mean there were days when i had you know my moments but i actually loved the build and when i saw this new idea that i had this new category called unsweetened flavored water that i can go and build i thought not only is it exciting to me and sort of taps into my curiosity but I have a solve for a problem around health that I think I can help a lot of other people with. So 
that was, you know, a long-winded answer to sort of say why I think I was uh, undaunted um, enough because of mm -hmm. the other people that I had worked for. But again, when you're in it, you don't necessarily see it. Afterwards, you start your journey, um, good, bad, and awful, right, is, it is what makes you who you are. And that's something that I try and get across on my podcast and all my posts uh, and in my book today, because I think it's a really important thing for people to recognize. You're never wasting your time. You're just building up different ideas, your curiosity, your um, relentlessness, um, and, uh, and figuring out how to move forward. You touched on two things that I talk about all the time, which is one, how much it matters who you surround yourself with. And it's funny that you say you didn't even totally realize what you were learning, right? Because you were working for these people that were just like, well, I guess we're going to go and figure this out, right? It wasn't like, here is the playbook and here's how you get to the next step. It was like, cool, we all know nothing. Let's go figure it out. And even if you weren't sitting there taking notes, that was ingrained into your mind. And I feel like that's what happens to a lot of us when we hang out with people that are, you know, they're just like comfortable where they are and they don't want to do anything else. And that's okay. But if yeah. that's not where you want to be and that's not for you, then you have to be around people that are reaching for that next thing or have that figure it out mentality um, on the figure it out mentality I think that makes people really uncomfortable to be in a place where you know you feel like an imposter and I talk about imposter syndrome all the time how do you get over that idea of you know like I don't know how we're gonna do this but we're gonna do this and let's go is that just like a mentality that you have or something that you developed well I think having a goal is always really important but i i sort of have this visual that i think i started actually when i was a kid when i was an athlete where mm -hmm. i'll have a goal of this is where i want to go i don't necessarily even talk about it i mean maybe i share it with my team today but this is kind of where we're headed but more than anything in order to get there you have to figure out what the steps are and you have to figure out how you can continue to make progress and you have to look back on those steps and how far you've come as well because i think so often we we don't get started because we fear that it's just going to be really hard right and so one of the stories i talk about or one of the chapters in the book is um kind of facing my fears and i uh was i'm still to this day very afraid of heights and a lot of people know that about me i mean we're not in sort of situations where um, I'm in that every single day, but anybody who knows, like, they'll be like, hey, do you want to, you know, go hella skiing? I'm like, uh, no way. <laughs> There's like, I'm not even interested in having that conversation, right? And so I think there's just a, there's, there's just this idea that the more times you go and figure out how do you get to solve that problem, then you become that much more confident in yourself. Like I can do something. It's interesting. Uh, one of the things that I really learned in, you know, mostly tech, but also in media working at CNN as well, is that when there's a big idea out there, maybe you call them visionary founders, like they've got this idea for something that's gonna happen. 99% of people will take the easy route and say, 
you can't do that. That's impossible. And my natural response will be like, why not? And most of the time people don't know why not. And so in tech, growing up around a group of people in tech, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We would have competition like at America Online. We would talk about Microsoft and we would talk about some of the stuff that they're working on. And we would have friends at Microsoft. They wouldn't give away trade secrets or anything like that, but we would admire them from afar. Like, that's really cool. I wonder when that will get done. (laughs) You know, and we'd be jealous, right? That that kind of stuff was working. But again, it keeps your curiosity up and it gives you sort of this idea, like how can we go do something that's better in some way? And yet, like when I walked into the beverage industry, instead it was that's impossible. You can't do that. Um, You've worked in tech. I mean, they would say, what did you do before you decided to start Hint? And I said, I was at America Online. I wasn't even like throwing titles around or anything. I just was like, they were like, oh, we didn't know they had a beverage. And I'm like, we didn't. But again, I think it's, it's the story of, you know, the underdogs. It's the story of the people that um, enjoy the build that are okay with, uh, going slow, right. They don't have, those are the people that are the scariest, right. And that's what I've learned over time. It's the people that no one expects that they're actually going to win. Yeah. Right. And then they do. Right. And I always saw that, I think, growing up in athletics, right. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's the people that actually, maybe have one thing and and going for them and no one's watching that are whether I ran track as well. Those were always the people, right. And that you had to just watch out for that. They, you know, and, and I think to some extent, the people that are more experienced, the people that have uh, that are expected to win, there's a lot of pressure, Mm -hmm. right. And so that was the thing that I had realized just from my journey that just because we weren't Coke and Pepsi, um, you know, everybody in the industry expected us to lose. But instead I said, you know, we might, we might lose. I mean, I had a number of trade people who would walk up to me, trade press in the early days of Hint at the uh, trade shows and they're like, uh, you seem like a nice lady, you know, you seem like, and I was what? like, okay, it's all good. And yet people, you know, friends of mine who had worked with me, they said, you're the person that they need to, you're the undaunted one. You're the one that no one's expecting, you know? And, and again, I think just having that journey myself and being able to enjoy and appreciate life every day and everything that, I have been privileged to be able to do and have and not take yourself so seriously are all really important points that I would love to share with people. Mm -hmm. People love to doubt. And I think people can doubt you for any number of reasons. People have asked me over and over again, oh, this is your company? Like, what do I not look like I started it? Like, what about this conversation, you know, makes you think that it couldn't be my company? It's just, it's all in those little, like, 
little hints and conversations where you hear stuff like that and you're like, hmm, well, I'm going to go out and do even better. I see it as a challenge as well. So I loved that you said that. I'm hearing a little bit in the things that you're saying, maybe some hints of like overcoming imposter syndrome, like, and in, in, in the practice is only how, you know, like you have to see the challenge and go and do to try to overcome it. And then you see the next challenge. I recently talked about that on a podcast. Do you feel imposter syndrome? You know, I think everybody does to some extent, but I think what I've learned over time, and maybe it's just once you have enough experiences with it, uh, what I've learned over time is that you have a choice, right? You can actually admire people or who are doing things that um, maybe you're a little jealous of, maybe uh -huh. you <laughs> them, um, you know, you never really know the full story. Um, and I think over time, that's what more people need to appreciate, right? And it's, it's um, I think that when you're in the number one slot, when you have a lot of people who are, you know, gunning for you, right? Like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a tough spot to be in, right? Whether you're a brand that's in that spot or whether, you know, you're an individual, and again, you never really fully know the whole story. And I think like I've learned that over, over time and it's way better to sort of fly under the radar and, and to be able to, you know, continue to do what you're doing every day and, and not be in a rush to do it either. I think like that's another piece of it. Um, so I think it's, it's, uh, it's much healthier. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are running out of time. I just have one more question for you. A lot of the listeners of this podcast are people that are either thinking about building a company or building a business themselves and like really in the the day to day of it and the ups and downs. And gosh, I mean, I'm there too. If you had one piece of advice for those people, what would it be? I think the key thing is there's a lot of pressure uh, amongst people to, especially college kids today, to go and be an entrepreneur. It sounds like incredibly great, sexy, all this stuff. And it's really hard. I mean, there are way easier ways to make money. And what I always tell people, unless you have an idea that you believe you can actually scale, if you can just sit there, lay in bed and think, okay, this is where this is how I scale it. Maybe you don't have it all figured out, but this is sort of how I scale it. And this is where it's going to go. And then you're okay with the idea that your timeline for scaling triple it, mm -hmm. right? It's just, <laughs> it'll take way longer to do it. Um, and it, you know, the number of pitches that I get from entrepreneurs that, you know, they think they're going to sell the company in two years. I mean, we're 17 years in and it's like an over, I mean, people are like, like, what? I mean, they can't believe. And that's the thing. It's like, you have to have patience and you have to be able to, um, you know, go the long course. And I think that that's the thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs are really missing along the way. So, but also I think the ability to, to try the ability to do you have it in you to sort of get back up again mm. right and because there's going to be things that 
come along the way that are obstacles, that are, you know, hurdles that you've never tackled before, um, that you're, you could go and work for some nice job and make a great check every two weeks. And, you know, and that's fine too. So, but I think that that's the most important thing. And then I think also don't allow the doubters to kind of block you from being able to achieve what you want to achieve. And if you fail, if you have challenges along the way that you couldn't get through, I think just owning those challenges and, you know, saying it was just really tough for me. I just like couldn't figure it out. And maybe you'll just by actually talking to more people about it and being authentic, I think that you're able to sort of show people a lot more about you, right? And that you're not gonna have it all figured out, that you're gonna keep um, pushing forward and being resilient until you do. And what I've learned about any mistakes that I've made in the past or challenges is that hiding those are a lot tougher um, than actually saying I'm incredibly embarrassed by it maybe, or I couldn't figure it out, or I wish I would have known about so-and-so because that would have helped me because that is showing who you are. And what I found mm -hmm. is people want to back people who own their problems, own their challenges, then people who are hiding, you know, behind a challenge, like, oh, that never happened. And so that's my experience. You are truly speaking to my soul. I couldn't agree more. And actually, the next episode is talking about the phrase, fake it till you make it, and a little bit into that idea that people have the propensity to hide their failures and only talk about successes and what the value is of, you know, like telling people that you failed and even processing publicly a little bit, which I know we both do that a little bit online and talk about our failures. And it lets people know that it's okay. It's okay to talk about it. And, you know, whatever their perception is of you or of anyone online, you know, people like us still screw up every day and it's completely okay to do so. Absolutely. So I think it's, it's such an important thing to, to know. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today. It was amazing to have you here. And for anyone listening, if you got value out of the episode today, please share it with just one person. And I'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you.